Take your Bibles, please, and turn to 1 Peter chapter 2 this morning. 1 Peter chapter 2. Living stones. Do you have yours? You have yours at home, Vern? I carry mine in my pocket regularly. I'm amazed at how shiny this living stone's getting. And as I was thinking the other day, I'm just trusting that I too am shining more brightly. Shining more brightly as a living stone. Because we recognize that the body of Christ is not just a dead rock. But it is a living stone. I'm so thankful for the body of Christ that is here at Calvary Baptist Church, aren't you? For our students and their, their ministry, our young people. Love that picture. Those who share together intergenerationally and are part of each other's lives. And I warned Betty about this picture this morning. I'm thankful that Jason is more alive today than he was when this picture was taken. Living stones. Now Peter helps us identify... What we are to be as he uses analogy to teach us a little bit about God's encouragement to us. We started out in 1 Peter chapter 1 and we discovered there that we were elect exiles. And that gives to us a word picture in our minds understanding that this world is not our home and that we are just temporary beings here. He told us that we are to be obedient children. Obedient children, not fashioning ourselves according to our former lusts and our ignorance, but as he who is holy is called us, so be ye holy. Obedient children. Last week we talked about being newborn babes. Newborn babes that are to desire the pure milk of the word that we may grow thereby. And the only way that we are going to grow as believers is to get into the word. That's what God has designed so that we might become like Christ. You cannot grow unless you get in to the Word. This week we are going to look at living stones. Almost an oxymoron, isn't it? Almost two opposite words put together to make one. But it's a term that helps us recognize the wonder of what God is trying to do in our lives. 1 Peter chapter 2, you there? Let me begin with verse 4 and I'm going to read down through verse 8. As you come to him, the hymn there is the Lord is good, verse 3. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. To be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture. Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become a cornerstone 
and a stumbling stone and a rock offense to those they stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. Living stones. Now we need to understand what God is saying in his word. As we look at living stones, we look at the word living. It gives to us in the Greek the word zoology. That which has life. That You know the difference between a zoo and a museum? Have you ever seen animals in a museum? Don't they look lifelike? But they're dead. They do not have any breath. They do not move around. If you go to a museum and see animals move around, worry. But if you go to a zoo or to a wildlife preserve, and you see animals in their habitat, they are wonderful creatures. And Peter here tells us that we are to be wonderful creatures. We are to be alive. We do not live as mannequins. We do not live in museums. But we are to live out our lives in such a way that people see us living and breathing and enjoying life. Living. Now the word stones. Perhaps your mind, when you heard that word, went to Peter. You remember in Matthew's gospel, Peter has that great confession, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says to Peter, thou art the rock, the stone. And upon this rock I will build my church. That's the word petros. That's not the word that's used here. The word that's used here has the idea of that which is shaped and that which is sculptured. That which is put into a pattern so that it is useful for the one who put it in a pattern. So you and I are being shaped to be like Jesus Christ, alive unto God, living out that life in a lost and dying world. And it's important that we recognize that because we're not dead rocks. We're not museum pieces. We're alive. In fact, Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. How's your Christian life? Is it abundant? Is it a woo life? Or is it a kind of, oh, oh, time for a nap? You know, a lot of Christians live a whole hum Christian life. And that's too bad. Because that's not what God designed them to be. And until we recognize that our relationship with God is an alive relationship, we'll never fulfill God's pattern and plan for our lives. Now I want to give you four truths that we find in this text. Truths that I trust, realities that I trust, Principles that I trust will be an encouragement to you this morning. And so we're going to look at these four truths, and I'm going to give them to you, and, and then we're going to very quickly work our way through the text as we see what, what Peter is, is saying, okay? Truth number one, God has picked us. God has chosen us in him. Now, as we read 
verse 4, we find that the one, the Lord, Jesus Christ, even though he was rejected by, by this, in the sight of God, he, he was chosen. He was picked. Now, we could go to Ephesians chapter 1 and, and there find where we are predestined. God has chosen us, has, has picked us. Now, there are a couple of different ways to talk about election or predestination. For you Calvinists, you believe in the sovereignty of God. And you understand that God is in control, and it was God who worked in your heart and brought you to himself. For you Arminian folks, you believe in the free will of man. And so therefore, emphasize the foreknowledge of God. God knew that you were going to choose him, and so he picked you based on that choice. Now, I happen to be a four and a half point Calvinist. And for those of you who don't care, it doesn't matter. But I am so thankful that God is in control of all things, aren't you? And I happen to believe that God in his sovereignty, and I have no idea why, chose me before the foundation of the world. Just think. You were Chosen by God unto himself. Say, well, how do you get chosen? You believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved? Say, well, that's not choice, that's a decision. Yeah, but if you know that you're a sinner, and you recognize that Christ died your sins according to the Scriptures, and you believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be saved. And it was God who gave that information to you and enlightened you so that you could make that decision. Because the Bible says that the God of this age has blinded the eyes of those who don't believe. And don't you know, folks, who have been presented with the gospel message, who just don't get it and can't get it? You know why? Because their eyes are blinded. As a living stone, God has chosen you to be alive and is sculpting you. We'll talk about progressive sanctification in a moment. To be like Jesus Christ. Isn't that good? But not only were we picked, we are precious in the sight of God. Last Sunday afternoon, I received a call from Betty and Betty said pastor just want you to know Jason got promoted to glory first thing that came to my mind precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints amen and you and I are precious and God in a very special way holds us dear and honored and puts us in a place as a prized possession. Now, this is not the word that is used back in chapter 1 where it says that we've been redeemed not with corruptible things, but with the precious blood. That word is precious costly. This word is precious honored. And so as a picked person, God honors you. And we read that in the text, didn't we? Verse 7. So the honor is for you. Isn't that great? That the honor is for each of us who knows Jesus Christ as personal. It's wonderful to know that God has a special place. And to understand that that special place is reserved in heaven for us one day. 
we are precious to him. And we are precious with a purpose. And what is that? We are to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to him. Spiritual sacrifice. We'll talk about that in a minute too. We have a job to do. Not just ordinary sacrifices. Spiritual sacrifices. From our spirits to him. And God has given to us the privilege. Honor. That word. The word that is used in verse 7. Honor has the idea of cost. You know what was paid for you? The blood of Jesus Christ was paid for you. And the honor that was given to you is to become a child of God, and that's a big deal. Amen? So I want you to... Understand these four realities. We've been picked, we're precious, we have a purpose, and the privilege is because of the cost that was given so that we might have a relationship with God. Isn't that great? Now, I could quit right there. Thank you for not saying amen. But I want to very quickly work through the text. And and this is just going to be a quick overview. Because I want you to see what Peter is talking about and how he is developing these four realities as he expands this truth he tells us first of all that christ was rejected by men god's ways are not our ways (coughs) man rejected christ they put him aside this the prophet isaiah says he was despised and rejected of men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief John chapter 1 says, he came into his own and his his own received him not. He was rejected, disallowed, despised. There's a word picture that is here. You remember how I said that living stones are sculpted or shaped for a specific purpose? Have you ever worked on an assembly line? Where it's your responsibility to do some quality control. And as the product comes down, it's your job to see if there's any of this product before it's packaged that does not meet the standard, and so you get rid of it. You have that picture in your mind? That's the picture of rejected. The world looked at Christ. He didn't meet their standards. He wasn't culturally correct. He did not come as they thought he would and be what he thought what they thought he would be. And so he was not qualified. If you look down to verse 7, you find out that he was the stone that the builders rejected just doesn't quite fit our model and so they pushed him aside but did you note in verse 4 that God had other ideas God chose him God picked him because he was precious 
was honored and valued. Philippians chapter 2 says that one day God will highly exalt him, give him a name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen? The world rejected him, but God had a purpose for him. But not only was Christ rejected by by men, Christians are redeemed by God. It's the gospel that changes things in our lives. Amen? And what does the scripture say? We've been bought, bought with a price. We learned that in 1 Peter chapter 1, right? The precious blood of Christ is a lamb without blemish and without spot. Pretty high price to pay. But not only have we been bought, we also have become believers. Believers in the understanding of what God has done in our lives. We have that faith. If you were here Thursday, I preached out of 2 Timothy chapter 4, mirroring Jason's life. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Believers keep the faith because they know the faith is true. Believers understand that the faith is discovered in the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. Believers recognize that God's word can be depended upon. And when God said it, that settles it. Become believers. And they are being built up. It's continual action. Being built up into a spiritual house. He's still working on me. To make me all I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and stars. The sun and earth and Jupiter and Mars. But just think what I'm going to be. Because he's still working on me. How about you? That's progressive sanctification in our lives. As we understand that we are being built up. In our most holy faith. And we are designed to bring glory to God. Spiritual sacrifices. You see, that's how the gospel changes things in our lives. Now, let's talk very quickly about this spiritual sacrifice thing, all right? Let's let's talk a little bit about how the gospel changes things and, and what sacrifices are all about. As you think about sacrifices... You must understand that sacrifices demand a cost. You go back to the Old Testament, and the priests offered sacrifices. And in order for them to offer sacrifices, they had to have something to offer, right? It cost somebody something. They didn't just go in there and say, out of thin air, here it is. There is a cost to sacrifices. But I also want you to know That sacrifices are for everybody. They are common to all. We'll not take the time, but we could go back to the Old Testament and we could look at the sacrifices. And there were burnt offering sacrifices. And in a burnt offering sacrifice, you could offer a ram, you could offer a bull, or you could offer a bird. If you didn't have a ram, you had other choices. Everybody could offer something. 
God designed it so that sacrifices were open to all people. Everybody had something to offer. Grain offering, peace offerings, sin offerings, trespass offerings. Everybody had something to offer. And so, spiritual sacrifices were designed to cost us something. In fact, it was David who said, I will not offer burnt offerings unto my Lord, which doesn't cost me anything. But everybody has something to offer. It's not just exclusive for those on an upper tier. It's for everybody. So as you think about spiritual sacrifices, you need to think about the cost and you need to think that it's common to all. So how, how would we define this? We could identify this as surrendered stewardship. Surrendered stewardship in our lives. Now what's stewardship? You know it very, very well because I mention it all the time. God owns it all, right? God gives it all back to us to enjoy. We can increase or decrease its value, and one day we're going to be held accountable, right? That's stewardship. That's, that's all that is. So God does not require us to be stewards of something we don't have. Sacrifices, surrendered stewardship, is what we have been given. They say, well, that's an Old Testament concept. Let me give you two New Testament concepts for spiritual sacrifice. Concept number one is found in Romans chapter 12, and you know it well. I beseech ye therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How many of you sitting here today do not have bodies? We all got, right? Common to all, right? So, God tells us to present our bodies, what we have, to Him. Alive to Him. So that He can mold them as He wants. Several months ago, I went to the gym. And I sought out a trainer. And the trainer says, what do you want to do? What are your goals? I said, I just want a little definition. How's it doing, Vern? Looking good? I'm, oh, man, here I thought you were going to give me a compliment. He said, I'm still looking. But I've been working on getting a little definition, and I know the clothes hide it. Good thing. But we all have them, right? Bodies. Stewardship of our bodies. Living sacrifice of our And not only our bodies, but the writer of Hebrew tells us that we are to offer a sacrifice of praise. To offer a sacrifice of praise that allows us to recognize 
the wonder of our God in our lives. Amen? Yep. Can you do that? Can you praise God from whom all blessings flow? God is good. All the time. That's New Testament sacrifice. Two more very quickly this morning. God has given to us a comfort, a reward for believers. Verse 7, so the honor is for you who believe. Now the word honor there is cost. The cost is for you who believe. Why did God send his son to be the savior for you, for me? The privilege. Why? So that we would not be put to shame. Verse 6. But we live in a corrupt culture. A culture where there is a rock of offense. Christ, the good news, the gospel, is an offense. That's what Peter says. A stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Verse 8, and a stone is stumbling, a rock of offense. And why is it so offensive? Because it's truth. And what do they do? They stumble because they deny the truth. They disobey the truth. And they will be doomed by the truth. But you, verse 9, we quoted it or read it this morning from the screen. But you are chosen. Amen. And we are chosen because God sent his son, his given body and his shed blood. We would identify this as a celebration of the sacrifice, would we not? But we as living stones are designed by God, patterned by God to be sacrifices, acceptable 